What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Inking Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Rob Santos, and I'm joined, as I always am, of course, by my co-host, Drew McCaffrey. How's it going, everybody? And today, Drew and I are joined by a special guest, making her Inking Out Loud podcast debut is listener and fellow podcaster, Veronica. What's up, Veronica? Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I'm re- uh, really happy to be here. Uh, just, by the way, if you recognize my vo- my voice from uh, listening to my podcast, uh most people will uh, know me by uh, the username I just use most places, uh, Cheyenne Sedai, but it's IOL and I kind of didn't want to use my actual name, so. Sure. That's awesome. Well, we're honored to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. Now, the three of us are continuing on with Inking Out Loud's coverage of The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher, and we're heading now into the fourth volume summer night so drew my friend why don't you take it away and give us our weekly recap absolutely summer night kicks off with no delay as the white council is coming to town and harry is still the target of assassination attempts from the vampires while walking in the park with billy the werewolf it starts raining toads and a ghoul tries to kill harry he survives and heads to his office for a meeting with one ms somerset who turns out to be none other than mab the fairy winter queen She has acquired his bond from Leah and tells him that he can go free if he completes three of her requests. Her first is to discover who killed a man named Ron Rule and to recover what was stolen from him. From there, Harry heads to see the White Council, which is convening to discuss the ongoing war against the Red Court vampires. Vampires have struck a major blow, killing one of the senior council members and many wizards besides. The council is set against Harry because he started the war and is prepared to offer him to the vampires in return for peace. However, Harry's allies prevent it from happening immediately, and he is given a trial to see if he will retain his status as a wizard. His trial is to fulfill the first of Mab's requests, and which in turn will grant the wizards passage through the Never-Never and give them much-needed mobility for the war. Soon after, Dresden's long-lost first love, Elaine, shows up in his apartment. She survived all those years and reveals that she didn't mean to betray him in the first place. She has become the Summer Queen's emissary, just as Harry is the Winter, uh, Winter Queen's, and has been tasked to solve the murder of Rule as well. Harry investigates, discovering a group of young changelings who were under Rule's protection. He finds out that Rule was the Summer Knight, and with his death, the balance of power between the Winter and Summer Courts is in peril. Harry agrees to help them find their missing friend, Lily. From there, Harry and Billy head to visit the Winter Lady, Maeve, and Harry meets the heroin addict Winter Knight, Lloyd Slate. He realizes Maeve cannot be behind the murder and moves to meet the Summer Lady next. Named Aurora, she reveals to Harry that the courts are going to war. Now desperate, Harry summons Leah and she shows him the stone table, where power can be granted to one court or another depending on the time of the year. At the same time, Harry realizes neither of the queens were behind the murder, so he enlists Elaine's help to meet the mothers. They give him the insight necessary to unravel the plot. Aurora has suborned Slate and trapped the power of the Summer Knight in Lily, whom she intends to kill on the table after it shifts to winter, permanently breaking the cycle of battle between the courts. Elaine betrays Harry, as she has been helping Aurora, but gives him the means to escape. Harry runs into the gatekeeper once again, who gives him tools for the coming battle and a way back to Chicago. With the Changelings and Billy's Alphas, Harry heads to war. He first defeats the assassin ghoul known as the Tigress and the changeling Ace, who was working for the vampires. From there, they plunge into the fairy fray. Meryl sacrifices herself to help Harry and Elaine betray Aurora. Harry kills the Summer Lady with the help of some pizza-happy pixies. 
Lily becomes the new Summer Lady, and the balance of the courts is reset. Mab offers the role of Winter Knight to Harry, but he refuses. In the end, Elaine leaves Chicago, Harry completes his trial successfully, and the Alphas finally rope him into playing D&D with them. God, it's so hard not to say anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like... half of my notes, well, like, before this book, I was just, like, highlighting, foreshadowing. I was like, oh my god, Harry. Like, it's oh, not boy. really, like, Sanderson or Jordan-level foreshadowing, but it's still there. It's like, I, I, so I've I need, always I... loved Okay, uh, so, I, oh, so I want to get this straight. So you have read the rest of the series? Yes. Okay. I've all read right, all so... the way until Battleground. Interesting. Okay. So, so you have that on me and Drew, because we, for <laughs> yeah, us, this is still brand new territory here. I can't determine the other what way is. around. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay, let's jump right into style here. And I'll admit that I really don't have any style points, nothing that we haven't already talked about, at least for the first three episodes. I will say... Um, as soon as we start off, though, and this is like one of the first paragraphs of the book, I think. In the ruins of my office stood a woman with a kind of beauty that makes men murder friends and start wars. I just wrote down world's biggest sigh. <laughs> How do we feel? Uh, so I, I mentioned this a little bit on our Grave Peril episode, uh, but... Oh, dang it. What was I saying? I got distracted. You were going to say this in the last book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you were complaining, Rob, about the sheer number of, of uh, damsels in distress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I mentioned there is a beautiful woman who shows up in Harry's office at the beginning mm -hmm. of this book I as well. But that it's that. a little different of a situation. It's not... She, like, she's not really a damsel in distress. No. no. Not. But... Like... <laughs> not by any means. Yeah. Uh, but there are like three other damsels in distress in this book so <laughs> yep 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 <laughs> so it's six and one half dozen of the other <laughs> yeah so i mean i had i had to at least bring it up i was like okay we're continuing and i i just feel like we're gonna have another one in the next book right i just no, i don't I'm have, little... next book is a good one sets up okay. so many things one. for the future yeah, Can yeah, I, I mean... Like, I saw the title and I was like, oh, because I had forgotten which was the one after Summer Night, because I know the one after that is Blood Rites, and then goes Deadbeat, and I was like, which is the one I'm missing in the middle? And then I saw the title, and I was like, oh, that's Death the Masks. One. Ooh, nice, this this ebook is only $1.99. Oh? Sweet. What the hell? These have all been like 12 bucks for me. Yeah, uh, same, like Summer Night was expensive. I'm gonna but... check it out right now. <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah, but then Blood Rights is nine ninety nine, Deadbeat yeah, nine ninety nine. All over the place, really. Huh. Well, I'm not going to complain it, that this one's much cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think so. I'm uh, but yeah, like back to the writing style of this book. Uh, I do think Butcher's prose is smoothing out gradually. Um, there weren't as many of the little things that bothered me. Uh, as there were in the first three books. There were still a couple. Uh, there were a couple of points where Harry's internal kind of narration slips into present tense. Oh? When the whole book is in past tense. And that, that like, was jarring. Um, like, I know I highlighted at least one. Uh, 
Let me let me find this. I'll be damned. It's one ninety nine. Yeah, sweet. Wow. Yeah, I'm uh, right now. It, yeah, it was towards the end of the book, and he said, "I had no idea how to contact Ebenezer. If he was under warden security, and I'm sure he and the rest of the senior council were, there would be no easy way." Like so, in the middle of that sentence, suddenly it's present, and the whole rest of the sentences and the whole rest of the book is passed. Um, but other than that, uh, I, I didn't notice as many of the jarring, like, uh, word repetitions, like using primal twice in a sentence or, you know, things like that. Yeah, I didn't notice uh, that either. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice it. So actually I think that's a mark in Butcher's favor. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, a couple of things here. Well, I haven't been able to listen to your other episodes because the next, uh, they're not out yet these might have been some things that you talked about last time but I noticed uh, during my reread because I read the first four books uh, before this that uh, Harry sets up the fact that uh, Leia his grandmother is a fairy very early in the first couple of chapters of uh, Stormfront and mm-hmm. like that struck me because we don't meet Leia until um, Grave Peril and yeah. It's this book where the fairy courts like make like a very like big appearance, and we start getting to learn more about them. And yet, that's yeah. set up in the very first uh, like chapters of the first book. So I thought that was really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, we did mention that um, uh, briefly the last you episode. It. You blew my mind with yeah. it because I had totally forgotten that. Um, but like Grave Peril and and Summer Night now as well, the reason I like these books more than the first two is for the the sheer amount of world building and the layering to the stories where um, I mentioned the first two books are very episodic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're self-contained. There's not much going on outside the bounds of here's a mystery that Harry's going to solve. Um, and, then, and then there's one kind of supernatural... Yeah bit of world building where the first book is about black magic and demon summoning and the second book is about werewolves yeah. and then now we're getting multiple yes. different things drawn in now we have like centaurs and we learn all about the fairy courts and uh changelings and ghouls yeah. and like there's just so much more going on and it's clear he has more of a a unifying vision for the series Oh yeah. yeah, that that was definitely way more prevalent in this one than even the, the last one, especially with this climax here. It was far, there was far more spectacle than I was prepared for too. I was like, "This is good stuff." Okay, I'm totally on board. Yeah, that like that's really part of why that made this book one of like the early favorites for me because like the first three didn't have that. Uh, Daniel Green in his reviews, he's always called Dresden like a hidden epic, and how uh, Butcher just starts layering like world building all over and he has this like unifying vision and Butcher knows his like world mythologies and uh, like different kinds of like folklore very well. You'll see it uh, as the series goes on. He brings in things from religion, from uh, Native American mythology, from Norse mythology. It's all over the place. And uh, like this book, I really started seeing that and like it just starts building. It's just so such a gradual build for the most part uh, that's like really smooth and you don't realize just how epic Dresden is until you, it hits like, right oh. in, in sure. a lot of ways it's a, a drastic kind of 
contrast to the Stormlight Archive, <laughs> where where Brandon Sanderson just throws you in all of this lore, Sink all of this craziness, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and then here it's like you barely dip your toes in like the baby pool first, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. the the slope of the pool very gradually gets deeper and deeper until suddenly you find yourself wait a second the water is like up to my chin now and <laughs> yeah yeah and, yeah. and that's one like we learn a lot like about the fake courts and politics and you can tell like butcher really knows that uh, very well uh, a friend of mine who's also an author uh lacy sheridan has like written lots of books like with Faye in them and um, like there are so many different versions, and Butcher manages to integrate a lot of them here. Uh, not only like the courts, but also all the types of like the wild fae and the changelings and the sentence um, and like all those different types of fae, like from the sea day to the pixies, like tooth tooth, and toot-toot. it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And it just works so well, like in one like unified uh, like vision, because Butcher did. Like always have like the whole series planned like from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. In, even though he's had to like split a couple of books and it has gone in a bit longer, the uh, yeah <laughs> like, he has the plan like all the way through. Okay, um, and so I I'm curious, Veronica, have you listened to the audiobooks for these? No, I've okay. only uh, like read the books. Oh, uh, Rob, I know did you? A lot of people say James Marsters is amazing. He is. He's amazing. I love James Marsters. Everything he does. So this is yeah. Now, I know what you're about to ask me, Drew. I haven't listened to them yet since. I've only okay. still listened to book one, so I haven't heard so you, specific you pronunciations did, that you're looking you for. You did just crush through reading uh, Summer Night today. Like Dude, I, I read did. this today. I yeah. recorded <laughs> book three last night, and I hadn't started it yet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, this was today. This was my day today, was reading this book. Mm-hmm. But, okay, yeah, because, uh, Veronica, you, you pronounced um, the, nice. the fairies C-Day. Uh, um, I I really want to know how the audiobooks pronounce it because I'm I've heard too, because your pronunciation of uh, Maeve just threw me off for a second. Totally, say same, same, same. Uh, oh, but there are I've heard three different pronunciations for this word, and there's so now you said Sede. I've heard Sith, and and the like traditional Celtic pronunciation is she. Oh, and, like either of those. <laughs> I don't, so I don't I'm like, I, I really <laughs> want to know how they pronounce it in the audiobooks. <laughs> but yeah, so now I'm really curious. Tell you what, I'll grab my phone and I will buy them right... Well, I don't buy them. I have no, no, credits, you don't have to. Just, <laughs> I have eight credits. I'll just download one and get back to like four or something. Yeah, yeah but uh, it's one of those cool things with this where since he's drawing so much inspiration from real world legends and myths and things... Uh, but he's also adding his own twist on it, so you yeah. can't always be certain that there's going to be a one-to-one parallel. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah, the the other the other style point that I had bef- uh, was how many references I I noticed in oh, this. Oh yeah. Um, there are the several. the most glaring one, of course, is the summer night. Ron yeah, Rule. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, wait, what? J.R.R. Tolkien's name was John Ronald Rule Tolkien. Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, like, this guy just straight up is named after Tolkien. I'm an uncultured swine. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, and then yeah, the other one that Star I was Star Wars ones, and I haven't watched Star Wars, and I recognize those. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and and the Poe things, and then it ends with him making a joke about how he avoided making Shakespeare references. Ah, yeah. You know, yep. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for the Shakespeare uh, reference to drop for the whole book. I, I mean, that one totally got me. Yeah. Um, I, oh, and, the, and so the other one was Talos. Uh, this one jumped out to me because uh, there's a character named Talos in the Book of the New Sun, and Talos is a a figure from Greek mythology. Uh, there are a couple yeah. of different versions of the myth, but basically, he was a a like bronze construction protector for the island of Crete. Yeah. In some some myths he's a bull, some he's human, and in many yep. myths um, from the Greek mainland he's destroyed. But in the myths from Crete he's not destroyed. And there's like so there's a lot of um, craziness with him. But he's always this sort of like protector figure. So yeah, yeah. My best friend's last name is Talos. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy who I've known my entire life. I've known him for 20 years, and his last name is Talos. Both he, like this... all, all their brothers. I'm friends with all of them. But, yeah, I found it endlessly entertaining to constantly see Talos brought up again. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. That 10-year-old that nice. inside of me still wants to point the book out and look at him across the classroom and go like this. You know? But, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I like the uh, the little bit of addition there and, and the dipping into the, the Greek mythology. I don't have any other style points. I kind of feel bad about it. I just saved all my characters, or all my points today for I character discussion. I have a discussion. lot of points on characters, uh, but I do have one last style point. Uh, if you have style, I don't know if it, you've yeah. talked about this on the other episodes, but I know that you talk a lot about humor here on the podcast, and I was wondering, like, what do you think of Harry's? Because it's... Like, there are several moments that I have definitely, like, laughed out loud with. Uh, Dresden Files, and it's a very different humor, like, for example, from Sanderson's. But it's also like, it isn't like always like situational humor. And it's also very like, not in your face, but it's very like upfront uh, sometimes. So I was wondering like, what do you think of Harry's humor? Especially like in the first person narrator. Go ahead, you. So uh, there are definitely points in these books where it makes me laugh. Um, I think overall, I like his humor more than Sanderson's. Uh, He has a, a more sarcastic approach to humor whereas sanderson really likes that like goofy slapsticky you know um but there are also points uh that i feel like he's trying a little too hard with the sarcastic humor and it doesn't fully land but like i was i was saying last night on the grave peril episode the the line with um harry and michael where he's like holy shit hellhounds and, and you know it's like oh yeah sorry you're right no cursing holy shit heckhounds like that cracked me up <laughs> yeah also can i just say because of the, i love michael carpenter i love the whole carpenter family they're all amazing yep nice yep. i made a big deal about that yesterday i was like michael's my man i want i want a yeah, whole book I love, from michael i love I'm, michael yeah the whole family like you've only met uh, charity and michael really but Love the whole family. And so little Dave, I, oh, little Dave, little Harry now, yeah. I um, the first Dresden I ever read, I think was from the point of view of another member of the Carpenter family. It was a short story in Dangerous Women. Which one? Um, because I think I know what character you're talking about. 
It, uh, this is Molly. My confused face. Yep. What? Yep. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah, I I didn't remember her name until reading Grave Peril, and then I was like, I think that was what her last name was, mm-hmm. but I didn't yep. want to spoil like myself, so I haven't looked up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's uh, Michael's eldest daughter. Okay, that makes okay. sense. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan of Harry Dresden's humor. I I like it a lot. I mean. There are a few things about Harry Dresden's character that frustrate the crap out of me, but his humor really isn't. <laughs> I like his humor. I like his humor. I'm, I'm a fan. I can get on board with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's... There have been no points through four books where Jim Butcher is clearly trying to have a humorous moment that, like, made me roll my eyes or cringe the way a lot of stuff in Sanderson's writing does. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> well, we can get right into characters then if we have yeah. no other uh, style points. Get on the do Harry because I have a whole I have a whole bunch to talk yeah, about with Harry this week. I have the most points about Harry, but I also yeah. have okay. a lot of yeah, we want to start us off then? Um yeah. I want to talk really about like the like aftermath of Great Pearl and just how devastated Harry is. Uh, after yeah. what happened with Susan, I mean, you just—I mean—he's super impatient with Billy, who doesn't deserve it. Billy is great. Uh, he, like, Billy's reprimanding Harry for like isolating himself and just like doing nothing, like in his lab. And like, there are several lines that talk about like his appearance and also Billy, like, when was the last time you saw somebody? And like, like, was it the last time like we've like forced like you out of your lab? And. It's just, it's really devastating to see just how much he suffered because of what happened to Susan. And he blames himself a lot. Uh, yes. Especially uh, that uh, line he's like about how he should have told her he loved her earlier than he d- ended up doing. It's just so, so sad. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, it's heavy stuff. It's I've complained but... a bit about Harry's character on some of our episodes, uh, where I basically said I didn't care about him uh, through the first three books, but in this book, I definitely did find myself caring about what he was doing and what happened with him, which was a big reason why this is by far my favorite of the books so far, like. I was actually invested in the main character and not just interested in the side characters. Hmm. Yeah. I, I still, I'm still, I still feel exactly the same way about Harry as I came out of book three and book two and book one. And that I, I, I like his one liners. I like his sense of humor. I don't like a lot of the choices that he makes. They don't make a lot of sense to me. And I just get frustrated with his, um, with a, yeah, I get frustrated with him almost all the time. Like I'm, I'm torn on the subject. Like he continues to display this amount of self-awareness, but damn, why does he have to be like? Okay, number one, he's a little, he's a little, he's a little greasy about that male gaze of his. Um, yeah. And I have, I have the quote here: uh, his his being Billy's girlfriend, Georgia, a willowy girl a foot taller than him, waited on the apartment's balcony in dark shorts and a scarlet bikini top displaying a generous amount of impressively sun-bronzed ah, skin yes. in a manner far more confident and appealing than I would have guessed from her a year before. My, how the kids had grown. 
Yikes. <laughs> and in chapter 14, she looked young. Young enough to make a man feel guilty for thinking the wrong thoughts, yeah. but old enough to make it difficult not to. I think, like, I don't want to. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm a single 29 year old guy. I get it. Sometimes eyes wander. Sometimes girls grow up, and you can't help that. Sometimes girls turn into women. But why you gotta phrase it like that, man? <laughs> yeah. Why you gotta crazy. be creepy uncle about it? That's just. You know what I liked? The fairy queen had a great ass. So I noticed these things. So sue me. It's crude, <laughs> but it's palatable to me it's palatable at least it's honest it's direct and it's unapologetic and there it's it's played for a laugh right like it's clearly a humorous statement whereas when he's describing this like 18 or 19 year old girl in very intimate detail you're like "Eh." kind of have to grit your teeth and and push through it uh yep yeah so Hmm. Yeah, there Man. are so many of those, and just like on this read through, they stood out a lot more. Just because I wasn't like last time I read them really fast. I mean, I had come from a year of essentially reading the Wheel of Time and Cosmere the whole year long, and so I just took a break and read uh, almost all the Dresden books, well, not the two new ones. I just read Dresden before jumping into another big series. So yeah. <laughs> it was just so fast i didn't notice them as much last time as i did this time it's like harry just please (laughs) please please please, harry (laughs) harry please sit down for a second here i will get a hose you know like Uh, there was this this, a point that i really laughed out loud it was when harry is when when mave is working the whole seduction angle and then and then she she even offers herself to him and i'm like whoa okay here and then she offers herself plus the other girl i'm like low jesus father forgive me here and then (laughs) harry's unfastening his pants and i'm like no 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 what are you doing what are you doing stop 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 right now harry and then he just pours the ice water mix down to his own pants i laughed yeah, I that was really I funny. I legitimately had a guffaw in that moment. I was like, okay, saved it, landed it, I get it, all right. It was yeah. good, it was clever, I thought. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> like, that's what's frustrating about it, is that there is an awareness, not only for Harry, but an awareness on the part of the author for what he's doing yeah. here. But it doesn't make it any less skeevy. <laughs> like, yeah, skeevy. That's the, I have that word here in my notes. I use the word skeevy. I just don't write it down in my transcription here. But yeah, like this. Yeah, but then we have other moments like him calling the wind and taking that unraveling from Aurora, and then he sticks his yeah. tongue. He sticks his tongue out. A wizard yeah. of the White Council sticks his tongue out and goes meet 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 like the yeah. Roadrunner and just yes, <laughs> yes. I, I love the several oh, references. Yeah. To the Roadrunner, Wiley e. Coyote, and, and, and that entire genre of cartoons there is just... That's good oh, stuff. yeah. See, th- those were the cartoons that I was raised on. Like, that Little, was... Man. man, that's I'm my jam. Canada. I'm still watching those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, any more about Harry? Not uh, yet. I want to talk a bit about his past, because of Elaine. Mm. And I know mm-hmm. how much you complained about similar things that Harry uh, did before this book. With Shalon. So, um, we learned a lot about Harry's past in this book. Um, yes. Not the full extent of everything, but uh, we know that, like, what Justin tried to do, how he set uh, this uh, demon on Harry, how, like, the house, like, burned down, 
And a lot of this comes like from the meaning like with the White Council because they're all accusing Harry of doing this so many years ago, which was arguably in self-defense. And then Elaine herself shows up. Yeah. Yeah, that threw because me for she a isn't dead. That that was a great chapter ender, uh, chapter ending right there, the cliffhanger, yeah. like hello Elaine, and I that was one of those moments where I was like Joey on Friends when it took me a second, and that just the slow eyes going, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> what? I've never turned a page so fast. Well, I didn't turn a page. I've never tapped a page conveniently so fast. It was good. For this particular reveal, I like I was just going back, and there isn't as much for time, but there's one specific line that I can't pick up like that because. If you didn't notice it on your own, I don't want to point it out. Well, now I'm sus. <laughs> yeah, but uh, for later, just essentially like talking about um, Harry's past and it just the fact that he just shows up because they never like Harry believes he killed her, but he isn't sure like he was with. Um, Justin because he mm-hmm. literally like, fought Justin like to the death, but he never says anything specific about Elaine. He just says he killed her. He there's like no details at all about that. Just that she died in, in that like confrontation. Yeah. And yeah, then, I of guess course she shows up. It didn't really bother me too much, even though it's the kind of thing that other characters have bothered me with. I, th- I think it's just because with Harry, he didn't use it as a, as an excuse to be fragile as an excuse to to stop his uh, any progression for him that's like that's behind me i'm doing more than that now yeah, and, he's um, trying and to i knew i was going to see it eventually i mean especially like with morgan as a counselor he's just trying to like Can morgan I oh my god that guy <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna bitch about morgan during my morgan, miscellaneous yeah. Morgan. yeah what a what a self-righteous asshat that guy is i just I, oh my goodness Oh my goodness. There's a, there's a list of characters that Rob wants to fight. First among those, Nick Sicorso, but Morgan's yeah. a second, man. That guy, he, oh, yeah, he just yeah. rubs me the wrong. That guy is such he, a... He was, like, he we'll was kind of rude. He was kind of abrasive in the first book, and now he's just, like, unrepentantly he's an Masima. asshole. You just, like, want to <laughs> shake him. Huh? Ooh. That's Sorry. just such a great comparison. Uh, I have never <laughs> thought about that. They both piss me off in the same way. It's like, stop frothing at the mouth. Use your brain for a minute. Yeah, just yeah. use your brain. Listen to what he's saying. Stop being so involved with your self-righteous attitude and listen to logic for a change, you dickhead. But I'll, I'll bitch more about him, I promise, later. <laughs> um, you know, actually, I'll save my, my, my favorite Harry one-liners. I'll save those for my miscellaneous, too, because I just have like a list of those here. Um, anything else about Harry? Yeah, I just... Quickly, I found his relationship real with uh, Leia. Like, it's really funny because he obviously doesn't trust her because she's a fairy. But they also have their just like witty banter. They just go back and forth like with their banter, like about uh, Leia's bond with him and how uh, she's made him do certain things and how. And she's like, "Oh, but uh, you like, uh, like you made this promise," and so they just. They, they've clearly known each other a long time, but Harry doesn't trust her at all. So, like, that dichotomy, like, was, like, really interesting. Yeah, I think it's the kind of distrust that only comes from deep betrayal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Entertaining to read, though. Definitely entertaining to read. It's good stuff from the Butcher's part. Okay. Murphy? Can we talk about Murphy? 
Murphy was great in this book. I almost don't trust myself to talk about Murphy. I think I'm in love with Murphy. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I might like her too much to have an objective opinion. I like she's just awesome. She's awesome, and I. This may be pretty superficial, but I promise I'm saving the majority of my elaboration here for my favorite scenes. I'll be talking about Murphy a lot when we get to favorite scenes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna res- reserve a little bit for now. But I do want to point out how awesome. That that chapter was with that scene was with her and Harry in the garden center of the Walmart, the Walmart taking on yes. the damn chlorophene that was in the, in the yeah. ogre that was just chef's kiss that was just wonderful yeah. it's wonderful imagining the chlorophene like this like the vine monster it's not a monster like the water bender from Avatar the Last Airbender mm. that like, controls the vines like inside mm. mm-hmm. that's how I imagined the chlorophene. <laughs> Oh, that's really good. It is, yeah. It's so funny to imagine that thing, like a couple of times bigger in a Walmart. And just yeah. like the chainsaw. Interesting. That thing Interesting. Is so funny. I haven't that's seen one it, of right? the ones that has stuck with me like from from the whole series. Like I'm just picturing I think about the chlorophene. I'm thinking about Groot's emo brother or cousin there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I really liked the scene after that where we see Karen getting to interact with the alphas. Like that was a, a just a really kind of like touching scene but also fun like how she immediately like shows respect for them and and then manages to like rope in an insult to Harry at the same time you know she's like uh, I don't remember exactly what she says but something like if you've if you've seen me bleed you can call me Karen not you though Dresden like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do love those moments of the out I'm still yeah, shipping yeah. those two, number one, definitely, 100%. I'm glad Susan's gone. I bitched about Susan a lot in the last episode. Really? Oh, God, Susan's yeah. just... <clears throat> she pissed me off. She's just constantly trying to get herself killed. She's constantly trying to Rich do it. Her, though. Gee. But it's also, like, part of it... Like, Harry, it's also because he's still trying to protect both, uh, like, Susan and uh, Murphy, and he isn't willing to tell them the full story until now. Um, because, I mean, that scene just before the Walmart where Harry, like, sits down and tells Murphy about everything, he's like, are you sure? Are you really, really sure? Okay, fine, I'll tell you about everything, and he does. I yeah. really like that development in, uh, like, Harry's and Murphy's friendship, uh, the fact that he can, he's like, I've seen what not telling, uh, people can, like, cause them, I mean, with Kim Delaney, with Murphy in the first book, and also the second one, the whole series, basically. Uh, with Susan, like, he's starting to learn his lesson about telling people things about the supernatural world. And he knows that if somebody's, like, willing to believe him about it, not like, uh, what's his name? Ron, um, Murphy's partner. Oh, Carmichael. Oh, Car- no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not Carmichael. The Roger? No, wait, no, Roger's the, is the plant from the werewolves. Damn, yeah. who is it? I forgot his name. I think it does start with an R, though. I know yeah, you're talking it's, it's about. Yeah, yeah. Hate that guy. But, um, <laughs> like, if people are like willing to believe Harry about the supernatural, he's like starting to learn that he should tell them, and that in the end, that may leave them more protected than not telling them and trying to do everything himself. Yeah, yeah and that's the lesson he learned. Trying to protect Murphy. Despite that's a lesson he that. learned specifically with Murphy and Stormfront. He didn't give her enough information. Yeah. And it led to some dire consequences. Yeah. Well, then Susan. I mean, he wouldn't let her go to the party, even though she wanted to. Yeah, but then she forged oh. us. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah we you <laughs> haven't heard our Grave Peril episode, but we we, <laughs> we were went pretty both hard on Susan in that one, didn't we? Very, very unhappy with that uh whole thing with Susan just going to the party anyway. I feel a little bad. Um, <laughs> I feel a little bad. I mocked her so much that I I I woke up the next day and I went, mm, that was a little too much. <laughs> I don't know. I, oh. I feel like this is one of those times I didn't say this last episode, but it, Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. There you go. <laughs> like, there you go. I just hate how she, how she's constantly exposing Harry with because he's got to he's got to reach out and save her from her own suicidal tendencies to to confront all the supernatural as if she's not in danger and she's putting Harry in increasingly vulnerable situations. You know like, what that sentence just reminded me of a certain scene in Gathering Storm. Ooh. Who, who is this? Where a character uh, just, like, isn't where they were supposed to be, and that ends up causing very bad things for both the other character and that character I'm talking about. Okay. I'm to talk around spoilers, but... Yeah, yeah. I'll... Well, I'll have to take you up on that one after the episode's done here, then. Yeah. Once you tell me the name, I'm going to go, oh, my God, what? how stupid am I? That's right. But, Okay. Uh, so I, I had one note on on Murphy. Uh, did we know before this book that she had been married? Yes, we did. Because I didn't. We did know. That. I don't okay. pay attention to things. <laughs> so it has been yeah. at least mentioned before that she was previously married. Yeah, she's talked about her like previous husbands a couple of times, like just like throwaway lines. But oh, okay. We definitely learned a lot more in this. It's like one more like was... you aren't like my uh, ex-husbands, like a throwaway line like that. Okay. 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 Just like the fairy godmother has been, just like sometimes a throwaway mm-hmm. line until it suddenly it's center stage. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. that throwaway line I mentioned. It's a very throwaway line at this time. Just really, it stood out to me like that thing. And I'm like, I nice. can't say anything, but there's a throwaway <laughs> line earlier that's like, there's so much in that one line for like oh boy. series. Oh boy. <laughs> this is going to be an entirely different series on a reread, isn't it? I love that. I love series yeah. like that. It's not, again, it's not Sanderson or Jordan level foreshadowing, but Butcher has a plan and he's seeing those things through, and it was really fun just, like, seeing all that on a reread. This is making me excited to reread already. I like it. (laughs) Murphy? Anything else about Murphy? I think that was everything I had. No. I'll be be going on about Murphy and my favorite scenes, I promise. Uh, Who else? (laughs) Who are we talking about? I have um, big lists. Um, like I have the uh, queens. I have the White Council, Ebenezer. Yeah, uh, let's, talk let's talk okay. about the queens. Let's start with the queens. Yeah, because like I don't, I don't have a ton about them uh, other than that they just fed very neatly into Jim Butcher's ongoing thing of like. Every single woman Harry meets is oh God, yeah. more beautiful than the last. Did they get like, past though? Because they are literally the queens of summer and winter. They are like very, very yeah. powerful. Yeah, right. In their right. Own right. Some of the, the most but, powerful. Like, it kind of comes with a package, I suppose. Yeah, I, I like, I get it. Except for I the mean, mothers. Well, they also have to. They also have a place to fit. They have to be like the old ancient wise ones, right? I. But. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I'm not going to lie. I have to read a few more times before I can get this down pat and form, inform, like, you know, entire opinions about them because I just, I, I, I have trouble keeping track of all of them. We have Aurora, we have Maeve, yes, that's we have Mab, there. we have, what's the queen? Titania. Of, of the Titania. Titania, thank you, yeah. Which is another Shakespeare reference. Yeah. Is it? 
Did I miss that yeah, one? Yeah, uh, Midsummer's Night's Dream. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's one I still need to read. I, 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 I realized what that last line of the book was, and I Googled it, and I realized, okay, so he finally did drop the Shakespeare reference, but that's still one that I have to actually... Well, I, I was, I was talking about like references in the sense of like um, Harry making jokes about it, like he makes oh, yeah. Edgar Allan Poe jokes about the well, Raven. He was, yeah, he yeah. was a, <laughs> he was headed off from making a particular. I mean, uh, yeah. he did technically make it after that, but she had already called him uh, up. Before. Yeah, I was waiting for him to just like full stop quote Shakespeare at one point, and then it didn't happen. I was like, oh, <laughs> what you're a little disappointed. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so there's the. We don't know the mother's names, do we? No. Okay. I mm. Yeah, I think like really the easiest way to keep track of characters in Dresden Files is to know what um, like faction they're from because they're like it splits most very like neatly into factions, and so you learn what faction they are from, and it's easier. Like you know, these are the red court vampires, these are the white court, these are the black court, these are the fairies of this court or that court. Um, yeah. And, uh, like, the White Council, and so you, it's easier to do it that way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't have uh, much of a problem keeping track of the, the characters at this point in it, but maybe I'm just... It's because you're a smart cookie. Uh, ...desensitized by the Wheel of Time with the, the sheer number of eyes that I have to... Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that, that yeah, took me about a thousand die. reads before I could start to get the the Aes Sedai and the politics and the Wheel of Time straight. I'm not one to, to, to really focus on these kinds of things or to absorb them very well. So for me, it's a, it's just a question of rereads. And I'm sure once I reread this series a few times, I'll probably lose that complaint. But right now, I was just, I was just a little overwhelmed in this book myself. I'm a simple guy. I'm a simple guy. Yeah, so I, I should have asked about this in the style part, but how did you feel about all the politics, Rob? You really need to ask at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the entirety of my thoughts of the politics. It's a bunch yeah. of inarticulate noises. That's it. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, well, speaking of politics, what about the White Council? Ah. Yeah. So I like the Ebenezer. McCoy. Uh, I his name is. love Ebenezer. Um, yeah, we've been hearing about the council for a long time at... Finally, here they are. We meet the Merlin, we meet the senior council, we see, well, not even, a uh, bit more of the wardens, even though yeah. we only really know uh, Morgan. I don't uh, know if I want to know more than Morgan. The only thing I want to know more about Morgan is how he dies. That's how I. That's that's the all I more I want to know about Morgan. With Ebenezer, I kept giving him in my head canon. I kept giving him this southern kind of drawl this louisiana or kentucky kind of accent i just uh i, I love the description i love how it just flies in the face of the of the, the mystical wizard no. with his overalls and his patchy hair it's just yeah i finally realized uh like which two characters i associate uh ebenezer and like he, for some reason well it was the other way around but uh cobb from skyward reminded me a bit of ebenezer for some oh reason. yeah for sure like that like interesting like, teacher thing interesting because like yeah, yeah. ebenezer was like harry's teacher like after justin and they have like this dynamic of like friendship but also ebenezer is very clearly like harry's superior and his teacher he was willing to call harry on like wrong decisions and just harry being silly sometimes um, but he definitely cares about Harry a whole lot and doesn't want to see Harry die. And that's why he protects him in front of the uh, council. That's why he takes the position on the senior council that he refused so many times before. 
to protect yeah. Barry. Yeah, I like that whole subplot about the the, the three different uh, angles of attack that they're going to use to try and discredit and or kill Harry and how he warned him. He's like, look, I can t- I can head one of them off myself. I can help you with the second one, but that third one's going to come out of somewhere and you're going to have to deal with it by yourself. And I had totally, uh, as I figured I would in the time, totally forgot about it by the time the third arrived and it was yeah. Morgan there. And I was like, oh, okay. Morgan. Uh, yeah. It was really good. He uh, always I'd arrives like at the worst moments, really. There's never a good moment for Morgan to arrive unless, again, somebody needs to die. And then, okay, perfect. Right here. But, ah, Morgan. <laughs> God. So, uh, in, like, the legendary chat, uh, you just, when you uh, wrote about, like, oh, just, like, about 80 pages in, and uh, why it counts on me, I said, uh, because I'm going to ask you about this and about a specific character, I want yeah. to know your thoughts about the gatekeeper. Uh, the gatekeeper is really any cool. Any theories uh, you have about Ooh. him? Ooh. I don't, I don't, and also, I don't we do get his theories. name. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, what's it? his name? We do get his name. Uh, I don't know if you caught it. Yes. Uh, Rashid, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the, uh, oh, the uh, the doesn't Aurora or or Mab one of the yeah, winter one of or one of the queens? Yeah. Yeah. They call him. Oh Mab. no! Yeah, it was Mab uh, at the battle where mm-hmm. she's like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Harry like coughs uncomfortably, like, <clears throat> uh-huh. <clears throat> um, sorry, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, I right. that's right. Am fascinated because I want to know what gate he is keeping. Yeah, you go. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Like it's easy I, to I, just I mean, like see that title as a you know some like esoteric like ooh magic cool mystery thing, but it's like that feels like a deliberate title. That, you know, whenever you get elected to the council, you assume the role of gatekeeper, and I want to know what what gate that is. Like, is this some transition to the never-never that he's in charge of, and that's why he's, like, randomly strolling around the never-never? Uh, but, or, or how he knows personally the the queens, and, I, but, yeah. <laughs> Those are all good questions. I want to know what else he's... Is since he gave Harry that one line saying, well, to be honest, what the council doesn't know won't hurt them. That makes me sus. I, I want to know what else he has been doing without the council's knowledge. But, yeah, that's all I really think about him at the moment. Now I'm, now I'm going to, you better bet I'm going to be keeping a closer eye on him now. It's a good idea. I have been teased. I like it. I like it. Good. Good, good. More of that. More of that. Yeah, yeah. His name's um, Rashid. Rashid. Yeah. I, I did get that he was okay. Middle Eastern uh, earlier in it because yeah. he, he also makes reference to Allah at one point. He do- Okay, that was him, right? Oh, I okay. did catch that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, huh. so when uh, when Mab said Rashid, I was like, oh, that's totally the gatekeeper. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very Middle Eastern name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Billy? Should we talk about Billy? Yeah. Billy's my boy. Billy the werewolf. Billy's my boy? Is that what you said? Uh, Hell Billy's yeah. Great. Uh, the alphas. I do love I the alphas. Yeah, I've definitely grown to love the alphas more. Like, the more I've, like, read the series, I didn't like them as much in, um, Full Moon. But just the more you get to know them, and the more, like, they grow as, uh, people, and they're just great. Yeah. Like, they're I'm... so supportive of Harry's 
they're willing to tell him like, Harry, you need to get out of your lab. You need to do something. And they rope him into playing D&D with them. Yeah. Thanks for your file. Yeah, I'm right there with you. 100% agreed with everything you just said. In Full Moon, I was like, oh, this feels a little contrived. It's fun, but I, I'm not a huge fan yet. But you're 110% correct. I just grew to love them in this book. That just just seeing what they want for Harry and seeing how they're willing to try and help him break out of his shell. They're just trying to be good people. And they're, they're, they're so, there's so much... I mean, the, the, the wolf pack feeling is 100% there. They have everyone's backs till, till blood and death. And it's just the fact that Harry has that support structure and it comes from such an unexpected place. Just a bunch of teenagers. Unexpected, but yeah, very, also, very pleased with it. Billy and Georgia, OTP. I love those two. Yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting to know more of the alphas. Uh, beyond just Billy because like three books in with Billy like yeah I'm sold Billy's awesome now I want to know more about the rest of them sure sure yeah I mean I just feel like Billy's going to be like Harry's liaison I suppose <laughs> with the uh with the rest of the pack I don't see him dis like you know taking a back position anytime soon but who knows? I mean, I wouldn't complain. We know a little bit about, about Georgia, but not as much as we know about Billy. I, I don't even know if I can name any other ones right now. Mm, I couldn't. Hmm. And now right now, like, I'm blanking on their names, but I should know some of them. <laughs> we do get more. More rereads okay. I'm going to do. Yeah. Uh, anyone else? I, we're, we're through the characters that I have decided to talk about with my notes today, but if you guys want to just riff, if you want to throw anyone more at me, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to talk a bit about, like, Aurora, and I wanted to know, like, what do you think of, like, her motives and, like, why she did. Uh, like... I'm bummed. I'm bummed. I wanted I wanted Aurora to be good. Summer. I'm I'm all about that summer over that winter vibe. Uh, just, she, I, I'm, I was disappointed that she turned out to be, like, the big bad in this one. I was like, oh. Effective. Who were you expecting it to be? Uh, Mab. I'm like I'm a simple guy. <laughs> I was expecting I was expecting to be Mab. There's something about about the whole winter vibe and the whole Ice Queen thing that I'm just like, hmm. Yeah, doesn't, I mean, doesn't... even when like Mab shows up like at the beginning and we don't know it's Mab, like all of the descriptions about her have to do with cold, like they use very cold, like related imagery. That struck me uh, this time. Yeah. And yeah, oh, and then yeah. when when the uh, the chlorophene was attacking, we had like the frost appearing on the windshield and everything. And I was just like, okay, these are these are hints, not really subtle hints, but these are obviously meant to make me sus of of Mab. And so I was starting to change around by that point. But yeah, I still thought it was gonna be Mab. And the fact that it turned out to be Aurora, it was like, oh, I wanted to like the summer, but okay, dang. But hey, uh, it's that's effective. The fact that I was capable of being disappointed in that was, was some good character work, I think. I was very suspicious of her, basically, from the start, because I was immediately suspicious of Elaine. And and I was like, oh, Elaine's working with Aurora. You're immediately well, what now, sorry? Suspicious of oh, Elaine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah, just having, having them working mm-hmm. together, I was like, well, it's probably... Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm remembering my first read right... Uh, I think uh, my prediction is Maeve. Okay, solid. Solid. Uh, Maeve just has this vibe about her. She's so chaotic sometimes. Uh, and, like, just like what she did, like, with, uh, like, Slate and, uh, like, 
what we were talking about there, like her all like offering up herself to Harry, babe, just it's like really, girl, such really? a wild card sometimes. <laughs> I, I will say I was a little, little thrown off by Harry's immediately immediate judgment saying, no, all right, can't be you. She's like, what do you mean can't be me? She's like, I just, yeah, it, it can't be you. And he just walks away. I'm like, okay. That's a, that's a little odd to just dismiss something entirely based on a gut feeling like that, particularly when your life is in danger. But okay, what do you do, you Harry Dresden? You're still alive this long. Harry just really manages to survive through the strangest situations all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He's lucky he's got Murph to pull his bacon out of the proverbial fire there. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. this is, like, the one time he's not, like, seriously, like, exhausted and hurt uh, by the end of it so far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shall we go into miscellaneous? Any other characters? I think I'm finished with characters. Yeah, I don't have uh, any others. Oh. Okay. Okay. Hell's Bells. Yeah. Hell's Bells. Hell's Bells. 16 times you said it was, I think, yesterday, Drew, in this book. And, yeah, yeah twice in the first chapter. God. <laughs> that's, all I really, that's all I really need to say about that. Um, and any other miscellaneous things? I have a list here. Like, he also, like, mixes those in, like, with, like, regular curses. I'm all about those regular curses. I like them. I mean... I feel that these are like very like like they aren't like contrived curses like some others uh, that I've seen, um, and so like they feel like very like I mean he uses them a lot, but they don't have the feel of uh, something like um, cheap swallowed bloody butter and onions. It's completely crazy, <laughs> uh, and so it does feel like that it like slots in like naturally like. Uh, with the text, even though if he, even if he does use them like a lot, like both uh, Hell's Bells and uh, Stars and Stones. Mhm. Mm yeah, I, there's still a bit of reliability there. It's like a welcome home when you read it. <laughs> Get into the next book, and it's like a welcome mat right there. It's like okay, we're back into Dresden again. Okay, the miscellaneous point I was trying to say there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, early in the book, he talks about how there was a pizza bomb, and he stopped ordering pizza. Oh, yeah. The end and, of the then, book too, huh? yeah. and then in chapter eight, he's describing his apartment and there are pizza boxes everywhere. Oh, was there? Yeah. The, the line is like, lately it had suffered from disrepair. It didn't smell so great. And pizza boxes and empty Coke cans had overflowed the trash can. I will explain that away for you. No. He said he stopped once he got the first pizza That's bomb. So he probably ordered like 30 pizzas, eventually got yeah, a pizza bomb and it's then stopped. So isolated. That's probably can't work at night. I mean, you see the difference between that and later on when the uh, brownies like fix up his whole apartment. Um, like The difference is you, so he's probably not organized in a very long time. And oh, yeah, yeah. Even like, when he wasn't like in this like research of just trying uh, to find a way to uh, save Susan, uh, like his apartment wasn't the most organized in the world. Yeah, anyway, these are so. these, these may or may not be fresh pizza yeah. boxes at all, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just I got the impression from the end of Grave Peril in the beginning of this that it was like 
right away. Yeah. Say, oh, he, I, he got same. the pizza I'm bomb. Re- so I'm just but. reaching for an explanation. I got yeah. the same. I didn't even notice. If I had noticed it, I would have I'd be bringing <laughs> that up right now too. Yeah. And this is super nitpicky. I will be very honest. <laughs> That's not that nitpicky. I would have brought it up. Of course. Then again, I am a nitpick myself. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, um, I, I, I have my point bitching about, about Morgan here, but I think I've gotten my feelings out of the way on that one. Um, I'll just go with a one-liner that I really loved. The Fae have a way of making sure that further bargains only get you in deeper instead of into the clear, just like credit card companies or those student loan people. Yeah. Now there's evil for you. <laughs> Forgot it Cheek. about that one. But yeah, Fae definitely just bargain upon bargain. I'm still paying off a student loan from seven years ago. So I get it. I feel it. That one struck oh. a chord. Yeah. I don't think things work that way here. And I'm glad. So. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's glad, good. You know. yeah. They don't, they don't uh, charge you 34% on your student loan just for trying to get an education. That jerks. Oh, 34%? What? Well, that's if you go if you make the minimum payment, you end up paying an extra like 34%. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's uh, pretty bad. My wife's student loans, I think her highest percentage is like 4.9 percent uh but no uh, so i had um one more highlighted line uh and i don't know if this is a an ebook transcription error where part of the sentence got lost or something it was on page 170 uh when billy is talking to um uh, Harry, they're they're in the like the undercity, and Grimalkin is trying to tell like like trying to be cagey with Harry, and Harry repeats his question three times, right? And Billy says, "So even if this thing hadn't actually been sent to guide us safely, you made him say so three times would mean that he'd be obligated to do it." Oh. I remember that line, but I don't remember if it Can you repeat just that last sentence one more time? That's all one sentence. So even if this thing hadn't actually been sent to guide us safely, you made him say so three times would mean that he'd be obligated to do it. Like, there's something missing there, or he, like, lost track of what his sentence was, and it got through the line editor. Like, yeah, that... Interesting. It's so it's in my ebook version. Oh, it's, you're not reading from the physical. Yeah, and that's why I'm wondering if like it, it dropped part of a line going from like transcribing it or scanning it into an ebook. Wouldn't surprise me. I'm like sure there was some formatting error or something. That's what but, I was thinking about that, that one the line that pissed me off that we were talking about yesterday, Drew. That, that one run-on sentence with five as's in one. <laughs> yeah. Sentence. I was like, what the hell is oh, this? Sentences. Seriously. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like, with me, like, because, like, run on sentences aren't a thing in English. They aren't in Spanish. You can go literally a full page of 100 years of solitude and it'll be one sentence. I am not kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm really not kidding. Damn. Wow. <laughs> I'm, learning, I'm learning today. And. Like, that's something that just bleeds over from, like, speaking both languages. And, mm-hmm. like, people are, like, calling me on uh, run-on sentences because of that. Because it's just not <laughs> oh, yeah. it's just in Spanish. And I don't know. 
I would just be like, hey. Both languages. I would just be like, oh, hey, how good are you at your second or third language? Come on. Uh, Right. (laughs) My French is terrible. You should hear me. I butcher that language every time I try. Um, I found the, the line from Grave Peril that pissed me off. I'll repeat it here again. I stared at the spell I had wrought and couldn't believe it had come for me, whether or not I'd taken the power, maybe even some primal knowledge of the spell. From Kravos's devoured spirit, maybe the magic had come from me. I had killed them as swiftly and as efficiently as with as little forethought as one gives to crushing an ant. <laughs> wow. That is yeah. like verbally falling down the stairs. What are you doing? <laughs> or falling up the stairs. Like, that's so... What? <laughs> okay. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I so actually I I do have one more thing I highlighted that I noted. Um, oh yeah, he clearly just discovered the word basso uh, okay. in this book. I was pronounced basso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just all over the place suddenly. I I noticed it at least three at least three times. I noticed it. Yeah. Oh, now I now I need to look it up and see how many okay. times. Okay, do it. Like, We're doing uh, it now. I We're found, getting to that part I of the episode. The Can you uh, like read your version again? See if it's matched. Oh, of that line that I just Uh, read? No, one of Grimalkin. Yeah, so... Even if this thing hadn't actually been sent to guide us safely, you made him say so three times would mean that he'd be obligated to do it. It's the same. It is the same. (laughs) (laughs) So somebody there in the transcription process had to write that out again and looked at it and went, Ah, I'm gonna keep that. (laughs) What the hell? Oh. But yeah, uh, he... He uses Basso seven times in this book. Seven times? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at it here. Seven, wow. Inking out loud, everybody, where we get annoyed because an author uses one word so many times. You know, funny, really funny thing. Was, um, yesterday, my sister wrote me to watching Young Royals with her, and it annoyed me so much that... Um, that the cursor just didn't seem like natural, like in the like middle of the sentence. Like they didn't put the words would seem natural. It just annoyed me oh. so much. It can pull oh, you no. out, can't it? It can it pull you out of the experience a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's never it, it's a Swedish uh, show, and uh, they were traveling in the actors. Like the oh, okay. I think they speak English too, but so I think that might have been it. Yeah. I'll give you so much. I'll give that some leeway. As long as my French continues to suck, I'm not going to complain about someone else's oh, yeah, second I, or third languages. At, at one point, I was nearly fluent in Spanish, and Same. then I didn't use it well, for like Spanish. nine years, and I've lost all my vocab, and I just don't remember anything. Yeah, I've got a certificate around here from passing grade 12 French saying that I am like government certified bilingual. I am not bilingual anymore. I don't even remotely qualify as bilingual. I can pronounce things probably. I can translate on occasion, but I definitely cannot speak it. I would, I would embarrass I'm, myself. Like, like really, here at this point, like English is a need. I'm not a nice to have. Rather, and it's different like in other countries that are like primarily English speaking, where other languages are really like a nice to have. And yeah. I did grow up speaking like both English and Spanish simultaneously at home. Like I, I'll speak with my siblings and my parents in English. Like, yeah, yeah. I wish the I whole had. story, and so like with like my friends in school and that, will be fine. So right. I just use both of them constantly. But like my Portuguese, <laughs> that's from like speak school. Portuguese, not much. I can understand it and I can read it. I don't speak it and write it very ah, well, but I can I understand. Should, 
I'm a disappointment to my grandparents for not speaking it. <laughs> aunt is uh, Brazilian. So ah, I got you. Got you. And yeah, from my... school, but I can't read it or speak it. I uh, can't. Sorry, I can't write it or speak it. But I can read and understand it relatively well yeah. as long as people aren't speaking too fast. Yeah, my, my yeah. whole family is from Portugal, from the from the Azores, so I can curse. You better believe I can curse fluently <laughs> in in mainland Portuguese for sure. But very nice. Yeah. Anyway, back to, <laughs> back to what we what I should be talking about. Um. um yeah. Are we done with miscellaneous notes? Do we want to go? Yeah, into I just want to bring scenes? up another line that I loved. Okay. When Harry's leaving the White Council and he's flo- he's just pissed off and he's flooring that blue beetle for every bit of juice it's got, but he's still self aware enough. Behold the angry wizard put put putting away. Just what? It's so good. It's so, it's so good. I loved it. Or he's going up at the end. There is like, uh, yes, I was using a legendary and enchanted means of travel to transcend the border between one dimension and the next, and on my way to an epic struggle between ancient and elemental forces. But all I could think to say in between panting breaths was, yeah, sure, they couldn't have made this an escalator. <laughs> Good. That's why I love Harry Dresden's humor. I love it. I do love it. But that's the so end of my miscellaneous. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I dry. So cynical. Just one, so, like theories and predictions. Uh, now that it isn't as episodic. And two, what other types of like folklore and legends would you like to see see uh, show up in the future of the Dresden universe? It's a good question. Uh, so I honestly haven't. I just haven't had enough time to really form predictions since I finished reading this book about 20 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> um, but uh, but I do hope, um, because they've started mentioning lesser gods, I really want to see like Hindu gods, Greek gods, Norse gods, like things like that starting to creep in. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would like that sort of mythology to be involved. Um, uh, like... Rob, you and I have chatted about Supernatural before. I really liked, there's one episode of Supernatural where a bunch of these, like, Greek and Norse and, you know, like, all all these gods from legends and myths across the Earth, like, come together for, like, a dinner party, basically. Oh, that was, yeah, season five, episode 18, 19. Yeah, like, that was one of my favorite episodes where I was like, this is really cool how so much of the folklore and and legends in supernatural is focused on north america because that's where the main characters are and it's the same thing here so far and so i hope we start getting a a lot more of that like global mythology coming in part of like what i love like with uh, like rick garden's imprint that he's gotten authors from all over the place uh to like write books about that and like even though when they're middle grade and like it's been a long time uh since i've Read most of those, I still like enjoy them and maybe read them on occasion. It was a while ago, but um, because I just love learning so much of like all those uh, like different mythologies and cultures. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. cool to see it. Fun. It's cool to see it appear right there. <laughs> yeah, the mythology was pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, see here. Uh, should we go into favorite scenes? Oh, wait, no, you had asked a question about future predictions. I totally forgot about that. And I forgot. Yeah. I Your predicted there would be a... It was Go ahead. really funny because like, I kept thinking, like, before getting to some I was like, I have to remember to do my favorite sleep, and I forgot. 
Did you? Oh. <laughs> but I have an idea, so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I predict there's going to be a damsel in the next book. She's going to be, yeah, she's going to be beautiful. <laughs> she's going to be very beautiful. Um, Harry's going to have some wandering eyes. He's going to get the crap just beat out of him because he always needs to be injured in some way. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, I do. there were mentions of angels and archangels. There were. I want to see archangels. I'm really, really, really yeah. into archangels. I want to see that. Um, I just, I, I, I want to see more about... We have religious aspect already, which is Michael. Yeah, we have a little mm-hmm. bit of that. Yeah, but there was also mention of these archangels having the kind of power that could rival the queens, right? I was like, ooh. Yeah, that's why there. Yeah, interesting. I just, and I want to learn more about Harry's mother. I, I, I don't know when it'll happen. I kind of hope that it'll be like more towards the end of the series and it'll be more foundational, but I just... Mm. Yeah, I did note that uh, in his conversation with Leah where she offers him this deal and she's like, I don't need anything from you. I'll get it from somebody else. And he's like, oh, it's yeah. my mother. I'm like, wait, what? How? Whoa. I mean, how is Leah, uh, Harry's godmother in the first place? Like, Yeah. Like, right. there's there's wow. so much unspoken there. There's a lot of creepy auntie there, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Favorite scenes? Shall we Favorite uh, scenes. kick it off? I'll give us a start here. Um, I, I love going first because it gives me the opportunity to steal everybody else's scenes. <laughs> Harry and Murphy battling together in the Walmart Garden Center. Just, yeah, I have the quote here. She closed her eyes tightly. I'm scared. So scared. I'm sick. You'll get through it. What if I don't? I squeezed her fingers. Then I will personally make fun of you every day for the rest of your life, I said. Yeah. I will call you a sissy girl in front of everyone you know, tie frilly aprons on your car, and lurk in the parking lot at CPD and whistle and tell you to shake it, baby, every single day. <laughs> and I just love how, like, this retur- This is what returns Murphy to Earth, this fire and amusement at the same time in her eyes. Like, you do realize I'm holding a gun, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their, their, their banter is is yeah, everything yeah. I live for reading these books. I love I love both of them together. They all, they always shine brighter when they are together. So that's my third favorite. Okay. Uh, Veronica. Uh, I, like, like, the ending just made me smile a lot with Harry just getting roped in the place and he can't deal with all of us. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. dang it. You, you, well, you stole that one from me. Yeah. Um, you want to elaborate then? Just like... Uh, that, so that's my favorite bit of the book. <laughs> yeah, I I I just loved that character moment. Not only that he finally gets roped into playing D anD D, but there's the comfort. You know, yeah. the description of how they're just you know pizza boxes and everybody's relaxed and like he describes them as all like bloody and stitched up and beaten and happy. Yeah, yeah. One of those just feel good moments. So, uh, but no, my third favorite was meeting the mothers. Uh, I I liked the cryptic nature of the scene, but also the uh, relatively straightforward engagement he has with them because he's not worrying about them making bargains with him. Every other time he's interacting with uh, Faye, he's worried about bargains. And here, he just gets to have a conversation with them, even if they are being roundabout in their hints and and being you know the inscrutable wise women uh there's not a lot of duplicity yeah exactly yeah it's a good way to put it i can see that cool 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 okay everybody on second okay 
final battle, but in particular. Um, you know, th it was awesome, the spectacle, Harry leading the wolves, shouting encouragement at them, trying to get to the stone table with Mab's blessing, you know, after he talked to her, like, it was way more spectacle than I was ready for, and Harry's own battle cry being, I don't believe in fairies! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, oh. after we had that laugh out loud moment, and that really high energetic moment, the way it ended with Aurora dying under the hands of, of Toot Toot and his fairy friends, it got so heartbreaking. I smoothed a bloodied lock of her hair from her eyes, and I felt very tired as I said, The only people who never hurt are dead. The light died out of her eyes, her breath slowing. She whispered, barely audible, I don't understand. I answered, I don't either. A tear slid from her eye and mixed with the blood. Then she died. Like, the, the fact that Butcher is able to take us from such a high to such a low and to still make it feel not abrupt but appropriate is, uh, was, was really, really well done. It was really deftly done. And I, the, the, the heartbreak in that line, the, the fact that he, this is her dying words, and he, ha, he has no answer. He just says, I don't either. It's just so heartbreaking. And it, it, it sums up a lot of, his, of the struggle that he continues to go through. And it really struck me. So that's my second favorite. Nice. Uh, so my favorite is uh, the Walmart. As I have said, this is one of the <laughs> things that... Has, like stuck with me like throughout the series like I think about Dresden Files and uh, there are a couple one from Deadbeat just okay. the entirety of changes I, I, I keep hearing about changes well, I keep changes hearing that... is it absolutely insane okay all right all right it's I'm excited crazy. <laughs> um, so, okay yeah. yeah I think about the end of Deadbeat just the entirety of changes and uh, this thing, like, it just sticks with me. a couple of others, but like this one just sticks with me. Like, I have it just so clear in my mind. Like, it has like the Walmart, uh, like in the background, in the parking lot, like where we just like swinging the um, chainsaw at yeah. this like uh, chlorophyll that in my mind looks like some like um, swamp the avatar, and, like avatar. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just so clear. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's Murphy taking charge, saving Harry's ass from the tigress. She just jumps in, hip checks with her Aikido, and then the chainsaw and the war oh, yeah. cry while, while he's well, like... And she's while learned. He's... I mean, she knows that uh, steel or iron like, will hurt them. Yeah, yeah. Murphy's my waifu now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Moiraine Downwardred. I'm sorry, Yasna Colin. Karen Murphy has a new number one fan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I love Karen Murphy. It was a good scene. Nice. Very good scene. Nice. Yeah, so my second favorite was uh, Maeve's Court. Uh, okay, okay. I loved the setting. Just the descriptions of it were so cool. I, I loved the juxtaposition of this sort of rundown ruin yeah. with the classical elegance of what's happening. Uh, it was a very ethereal kind of setting that fit for a fairy court. Yeah. And also, Jen is super creepy. Jen. She's the underwater one with the, like, green oh, teeth. Oh, yeah. The, the green, green teeth hair. lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's so chaotic. It was to say something that I didn't know who Jen was as soon as you said her name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Ra, what was your favorite? Chapter 7. 
the entirety of chapter seven, which is Harry visiting a slightly drunk, slightly drugged, and more than slightly traumatized Murphy in the of middle of the night. Of course it was. <laughs> you know, asking if she's okay. Finally managing to get Murphy to open up. Like, it's a scene with a lot of contradictions for both Harry and for, for Murphy. We know Murphy is a super tough, super skilled, abrasive badass, but she's wearing frilly pajamas, and Harry describes her decor as cute. And she's yeah. finally opening up about some of her trauma and the conversation they have about her deceased husband and for the first time in the series i feel like we're seeing murphy truly vulnerable like we've seen her at risk before yeah physically vulnerable we haven't seen her emotionally vulnerable like she has to the magnitude that she is in this scene and then conversely we have harry opening up finally about elaine and the inner struggle yeah. he has trying to decide whether he wants to protect Murphy or to respect her, and then realizing that sometimes he needs to actually pick one. You know, making that decision, gritting his teeth, but promising her, nonetheless, that if he finds murder, he's going to bring her in. You know, that was... It's a, just a beautiful chapter. There's so much love and respect going both ways. And it the love it doesn't need to be defined just yet. You know, if, if it's just a friendship or, like, I want, you know, more something more, it doesn't need to be clear yet. The fact that it's love and the fact that it's respect, that's enough. You know, it's it's just, it's, it's my favorite scene. Not just in this book. Honestly, I think that was my favorite scene in the entire series so far. I can't express how touching that was. In the future, I feel like anytime anyone asks me to explain why it is I think Murphy and Dresden deserve one another, this is going to be, this scene is going to be my argument. It's just outstanding character work on the part of Jim Butcher here. Good stuff. Wow, yeah. I have a feeling that a certain scene in Derby, just because I know, I've learned to know, like, what types of, like, things are actually, like, that description from the first Stormlight episode of, like, the series is perfectly, like, it's just exactly everything uh, Rob Santos wants. Like, I have a feeling that <laughs> a certain scene in Derby will uh, take that spot. Okay. Which is the one I was mentioning earlier, the photo that. I think Dresden file. Like I remember reading the scene. I was like in the car uh, going to farm, and I remember a scene, and I was like, and "Yeah." My siblings were literally like telling me to just it's stop just, screaming. Um, it's surreal. This is not even my first time talking to a guest who knows more about me than I know about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll be looking uh, for my that. My favorite. I really like uh, the battle. Uh, I like how like all these factions come together. We have the Alpha. We have the Chainlings. We have the Day. We have Harry. This is like really setting up just how much like all the factions are gonna like intersect like in the future. We have like a major conflict rather than just like episodic mysteries. Now we have uh, the war like with the Red Court, and it's hmm. going to be a major part of the uh, book from here on out. Okay. And yeah, yeah. Like there. So much, and also just the like setting, like the fact that they're like almost like in the clouds and they have the table in the center just, yeah it's a good spectacle it's not one that i can imagine as perfectly like as a walmart because it's just such a like weird setting yeah i've been in walmart <laughs> before spectacle <laughs> is so good and i really love how like everyone is like coming together nice for this nice yeah, nicely definitely. chosen for being put on the spot like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I had my ideas like before. Just kind of nice. Yeah, it helps that this was a reread. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh. I'm looking forward to another future conversation we have when Drew and I have read the entire series, and I'll be able to take you up on. So, what was it in changes? What was it in oh, Dead? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going to understand. 
Okay. But you'll know immediately what I'm talking. Right away. About. Like, oh, this is what she was talking yeah. about. This is what Veronica yeah. was saying. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Just really nice. the entirety of Cage's from the first line, the first line of Cage's blue mind. mind. Ooh. This is good stuff. Ooh. This is good stuff. This is why I like having guests on who have read the stuff that we haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I like this. This is gold. Okay. Drew, my friend. Yeah. It was Harry playing D and D with the office. Ah. So. It's, oh, that's right. You had mentioned that already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I forgot yeah. already. <laughs> I've played D&D just recently. It's good stuff. It's fun. I mean, I just, I'm just learning still. I'm not a, a pro. I haven't actually. I like to do roleplay, but not like D&D style, like not tabletop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but a lot of my friends, uh, like my co-hosts on the podcast, uh, both play and we've talked about it a lot. Yeah. But I cool. never have. Yeah, I find myself gravitating towards the the chaotic neutral all the time. I just like to have fun. Uh, actually, that's uh, so. I've only ever played one D and D game, and I had a chaotic neutral character as well. Yeah. It's just so much fun to be the unpredictable guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but nice. yeah, yeah. It's I've played I think twice, so I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a very experienced either. I probably forget a large part of it if I were to sat down and try again. But yeah, it's it's good stuff. It's great for bonding. Holy crap! It's great for it hanging is. out. Yeah, it, it is. And that, that just ties see. back to like how heartwarming that scene is cuz it it's is. like Harry is clearly this kind of mentor figure to the alphas, but mm. he he's gaining a a respect for them. Yeah, and he can engage with them on their level instead of just being this like, you know, level above them and and uh and kind of be condescending to them and and kind of rude to Billy. Like he's he's being a friend you know so uh but yeah i think if if we're done with that it's time for the final draft yeah sure i'll start us off since i have a boring choice uh as i have had boring choices lately i'm just drinking a flavored water and it's delicious this is a president's choice brand which is kind of just like a no-name brand here in canada um lemon mist it's a lemon flavored sugar-free water and that's all i i mean i've only drank half of it but I mean, it's nice and refreshing you know lemon water it's good stuff don't judge me all right all right <laughs> the healthy choice <laughs> well it's got aspartame it's not that healthy oh <laughs> <laughs> all right veronica have you been sipping so, on anything yeah um i'm uh still like American, so i can't like drink like uh, and i haven't tried but i did still uh, like I do want to drink something at least half thematically appropriate. Okay, all right. She goes to drill. So, uh, I. So this goes out to uh, the Winter Court and just the Winter Queens in general. Ooh. And then just some like ice cold water in my dusty wheel frosting mug. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which nice! Also fits with the wheel of time news we got today. On yes. Today recording, which was amazing. Yep. Yep. I saw. Uh, yeah. 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 So the ice water yeah. mix is, is actually really, really good. I wish I had been clever enough to think of that. That would have been a neat little joke. All Perfect. Right. Now that I love I, it. All right. all right, Drew. Yeah, so I am drinking a beer from Anchorage Brewing Company once Surprise. again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is an India Pale Ale. Double dry hopped with Phantasm Powder, Strata, and Citra Hops. Uh, so Phantasm Powder is like a, another one of these new um, Sounds processes. Like yeah. For, so it's like powdered crystallized hops, basically. Like, um, like it's one of those ways to extract like all the flavor that you possibly can out of mm-hmm. out of the hops and and 
make it a, a more like intense hop profile in the beer. I would be scared um, to drink that. It is. It's good. Uh, yeah. It's not as fruity as the one I had yesterday, uh, but it is. It is definitely flavorful. Six point four percent. And this one goes out to our green toothed friend Jen. It's oh. called Beneath the Water. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, nice. it's funny because you said the Phantasm um, powder, and like my mind went to like the like ghost powder Harry used in uh, mm. uh, Great Peril. Like to yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where my mind went. I totally forgot about that. You know, you know, the real impressive part of that is that he probably didn't leave and actually go search for one. He just probably had that on hand. He probably opened his fridge <laughs> yeah. and looked at the titles and picked something, didn't you? That is accurate. <laughs> yep, yep, you yeah, know, he did. What's really funny about, I always, um, like, now every time, um, I just, like, I'm looking at it and I just keep an eye out for, like, interesting things because I haven't really seen any uh, craft beers around here, but the other day, uh, like, a couple of weeks ago, I was in the U.S. and we stopped to like have lunch, and I literally saw the waitress like scan my dad like uh, the like with like with all the coffees, and I was like, "May I steal that? I want to see if there are any good names." And I did. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. pictures are being king out loud on the on the uh, legendarium uh, Discord, uh, yeah. and I looked for it, and there was one that really works uh, for uh, his dark materials, and I was like, "This is perfect." And yeah. I specifically looked for them because of uh, that. Nice. Uh, yes, Very nice. we're we're Very nice. uh, we're we're making people pay more attention to the names of drinks. <laughs> you are, you are. I've been, I've been, I've been letting everyone down lately. My, oh, I've no. been bringing, I've been bringing cold coffee and flavored water and pretty much, <laughs> pretty much anything disgusting. Making better life choices than I am. Yeah, yeah I mean. but like usually, like you have like here, um, made me laugh. It's raining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy yeah yeah uh yeah so i think that brings us to the end of this episode uh, uh this has been what episode 131 i think uh yesterday wow. was 131 this is 132 132 oh my gosh Woo. we're we're getting into it folks um Fine. uh but yeah next up we will be heading right into uh dang it death masks is it's that like the name one, of the next one? Yeah, that's Yeah, you can you can tell that I'm not as prepared as I normally am because I had to cram reading this book in like last night and today. Dude, I need to um, make two hours of notes before I prepare to talk about this kind of stuff. The fact that you can just put the book down and just wing it like this is still it's a talent <laughs> yeah, I that I really envy. Oh, uh, it's uh, it's fun. It's fun. That's all I can say. But, uh, but yeah, so as always, if you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash inkingoutloud or on coffee, that's ko-fi.com slash inkingoutloud. Uh, you know, uh, all of that support goes to our hosting and paying our wonderful artist, Danny. So check us out there. I can't wait to see what she comes up with for this one. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for some of these. She says she's got great ideas for, she's a for Dresden. She's a wizard. Yeah. I hope she goes with uh, what I'm thinking for uh, Derby, because that one has a one that would work really well. Ooh. Make sure you let us Man, know what uh, it is. <laughs> I'm just so excited I'm to like get further into the series now. Because I, I yeah, I'm glad we went into this. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> glad that we went into this. Yeah, yeah. So as always, I have been your host Drew McCaffrey, and with me is my co-host Rob Santos. Yep. 
And our special guest, Veronica, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Veronica. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Good. Good. Let's do it again. So, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>